Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center, a church dedicated to loving God and serving people. Today, Pastor Pritchi continues to teach from the series Emmanuel with the heart for hosting God's presence in our lives. We believe this word will be a blessing to you. This morning we're going to go to the next topic. We'll begin with Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1. This is a story that is familiar for most of us, so we're going to try and enjoy this story this morning. Is that okay? The Bible says, King Nebuchadnezzar, he made a a gold statue, and that statue was how how tall? 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, and then he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Who is this king? He's the king of Babylon. Now, if you understand, Babylon back in the day is like the world power. It's like a world power. It's not even like, you cannot even compare that to United States. You know, today we would think the United States to be like the leading nation of the world. But you cannot even compare because United States doesn't have governing authority over the whole world. But Babylon technically had governing authority over the whole world. So this Nebuchadnezzar, he is in this place where he, where almost the whole of the known world, except a few pockets, you know, they used to bring their tributes, they used to bring their taxes, they used to submit to the kingship of, of Nebuchadnezzar. If anybody rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, they would be wiped out. That is how the Israelites, they lost their nation because they, they, they did not submit. The king, he gave them a very peaceful option of coming, but they fought him and they tried all types of antics. If you read Kings and Chronicles, you will see the stories. And they, they resisted him and that's how they lost their temple, they lost their nation and everything was uh, brought to the ground. And then in Babylon, there is this Jew by the name Daniel. And the Bible says he interpreted a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. Do you guys know that dream? In chapter 2, he woke up with a dream one day. And this dream had this figure. The head of the figure was gold. Then the body had silver, bronze, a lot of clay. And then, then a mixture of bronze and clay, iron. And then a mixture of... Uh, you know, clay and iron. So uh, Daniel, so this king, he was mad. He, he didn't understand what this dream meant. And then Daniel, the wise guy, who had the wisdom, the spirit of God in him, he looked at this king and he said, you know what, king? Let me interpret this for you. I cannot, but God can. And then he interpreted the dream for him. And he said, this head of gold, that's you, King Nebuchadnezzar. But after you will come Somebody else who is inferior in value to you. Then will come somebody who is more inferior in value until a stone will come and will collapse this entire statue and that stone will establish the kingdom of God. So when Nebuchadnezzar heard this dream, he didn't like it. He didn't like the interpretation of it because for him, it, it, didn't, it didn't make sense. How could a king as great as I am ever lose how can another kingdom come after me you know Nebuchadnezzar was so proud so 
arrogant that he, he thought that nobody can destroy this guy. And so he said, no, I'm doing this. I'm doing the exact opposite of what I saw in the dream. And in the next chapter, he says he set up a statue and the whole statue was made of gold. But in the dream, do you remember what was in the dream? Only the head was of gold. But in this statue, what he did is he made the entire statue of gold. That was his arrogance and he set it up. You know, if you, if you compare a lot of things that has happened in history, right? It, it repeats in the last days. It would again repeat in the last days. If you read the book of Revelation, you will see how the Antichrist, when he comes, he will do the exact same thing. He will make a statue of himself and he will expect everybody on earth to worship that statue. Now, I don't know how it's going to be like and what that statue is going to be. But the Bible says those who worship the image of the beast and takes the mark of the beast, they are the ones who will forever go into eternal punishment. You can go back to Revelation. We have studied this several times. The videos are still there on the Revive Nations YouTube channel. You can go back and study it in detail if you'd like to. And the Bible is talking about everything that these, these kings that they did, it is, it is still going to happen. So it's necessary that we understand how the people of God in those days, how did they overcome? What did they do to stand firm? What did they do to receive victory and solutions when there were dictators like this? Daniel chapter 3 verse 2, it says, Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. See, that itself you have to, you have to become very cautious about because... You know, the, the statue didn't need to be dedicated unless it is a spiritual thing. See, the only other thing in the Bible that, that, that's, that, that is dedicated is the temple. You wouldn't find anything else that will be dedicated. Anything that is in the temple or any object in the temple, that is what will be dedicated. But here, the king is calling everybody in his kingdom to come and be part of the dedication of the statue. Then it says in verse 3, So all the officials, they came and they stood before the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So, so the king, he sent out the word to everybody. And everybody that came, they all came and they came and stood. Everybody said stood. They took their position before this statue. They took their place in front of this statue. See, I want to tell you this, where you stand, your position is very important. If you, if you are going to compromise your position, if you're going to compromise where you stand, what you do will flow out of where you stand. See, the Bible talks about how Elijah, when he came to meet King Ahab, he said, hey, don't take my words for light because I stand in the presence of God. I don't stand anywhere that you think. I'm not an ordinary prophet. I, am, I stand in the presence of God. See, when Gabriel, the angel, came to Mary and, and gave her a word, and when they came to Zechariah, specifically when he came to Zechariah, and Zechariah said, how can this happen? And the angel said, 
you have no idea. I stand in the presence of God. See, where you stand, your position is very important. If you're going to be standing before earthly systems all the time, then you are going to be manipulated by those systems. If your position is, uh, if your identity and if your significance, if your security is defined by your job, your salary, the, 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 the places that you have traveled and all those earthly things, then those things will eventually have influence in your lives. And here it says these officials, they came and stood before the statue. It says, then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. See, now that they've been standing here, now they are listening. Now they have to listen. Now they are being influenced by this king, right? And it says, when you hear, everybody say hear. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments. Man, if, if, if they can use so many instruments to worship an idol, a statue, a gold statue, do you think that we need more instruments than that in church? Come on now. We, we, cannot, we cannot just be satisfied saying, okay, we can somehow manage some basic sound and some basic few two or three songs or two. Or th- no, guys, we, we need to have a better sound than what these guys have. So what this king said is not that, hey, everybody come, you know, take pictures, take selfies with this statue and go back home. No, he said, no, when you come, there is going to be a time when a music will go out. There will be a horn, there will be a flute, there will be a zither. What is a zither? I have no idea. Somebody has to Google that out. A lyre, a harp, a pipes, and all the other musical instruments. When all of this begin to play, then this is what I want you to do. When you hear the sound of this music, you need to bow to the ground to worship the King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. So this was the command. This was the, the thing that the, the, the herald, he proclaimed. And see, this is what is happening. These guys, they came and they have a position now. The, in that position where they are standing, now they are getting influenced by the command and by the music that they are listening to. And that is automatically now going to push them to bow down before the statue, to, to come to a place of worship before the statue. So can I say it like this? Where you stand and what you hear will determine who you will worship. Can I repeat that one more time? Your position from Monday to Saturday, the people that influence you from Monday to Saturday will determine your ability to worship when you come to church on a Sunday morning. Or even during the week, what happens in your life? That is what is going to determine if you're going to be worshipping this gold statue. That is what is going to determine if you're going to worship God. That is what is going to determine if if you're going to be bowing down before God or if you're going to be bowing down before earthly man-made systems. And here is an example. It says they, they stood before the statue and they heard what the king said about the statue. And it's, it's, 
And it's high time that we refine our ears. We refine what we are listening to. We refine what we are exposed to in this season. It's high time that we disconnect from those places that we have made ourselves comfortable to hang out in. We have to move. We have to move on. We cannot be where everybody else is. If you're going to be standing before the statue and if you're, if you're going to be listening to the music that is around the statue, it's just a matter of time before we are going to bow down before that statue. It says in Daniel chapter 3 verse 6, anyone, come on, read it with me, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a, a blazing furnace. So this is so this is the herald who is declaring this. When the music comes, you have to bow down and you need to worship the statue. But anybody who refuses to obey, anybody who refuses to give in, they will be thrown into the blazing furnace immediately. It says in verse 7, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, what did they do? They bowed to the ground and they worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And, and I told you this already. Wherever you stand and whoever you listen to will determine what you worship, the person you worship. And that's what's happening here. They are enamored by this gold. They are enamored. They, they, they're fascinated by the, uh, the, the glamour of this kingdom, by the, by the glory of this king. And it says, but some of the astrologers, they went to the king and informed about the Jews. So you read the previous verse, it talks about how every race on earth, every language group on earth, every uh, skin color on earth, everybody bowed down before the statue. But there were a few people who were known as the Jews. See, what is the speciality of these Jews? These Jews, they have made a vow that uh, we are not going to bow down before a graven image. That's like the top of our commandments. As you know, you're, you know in, the, in the Ten Commandments, you will only have the Lord your God. You will not bow down before any other uh, idols or anything else. And so these guys, they had made a decision. No, we are not going to be standing before the statue and we are not going to be listening to this music. And because that's not, we are not going to give in, we are not going to give in to the worship of this thing. And it says, they said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You had required a decree. You had issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. And when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes and the other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, who made this decree? The king? Why is it that the officials are going and reminding the king of his decree? They wanted him to punish the Jews, but, but can, you, can you try to understand this? All that they had to say is, hey, there are some guys who are not doing this, right? But what they are doing is they are very smartly going and telling the king what he had issued as a decree and the fact that there is a punishment 
if you don't do it. So what they're actually doing is they're influencing the king. Now, when the king is going to get angry and upset, it's not actually because the king is angry and upset. It's because there is a, there is a force behind the king. There are people who are speaking into the voice of this king. Now, as evil and as, as wild as this king is, there was a force that was still controlling this king. So, you know, what we do is we try to take uh, our issue with the guys that are fighting us. What we don't remember is that it's not necessarily the person who is fighting us who is a problem. It's the forces, it's the people that are speaking to them. You take them out of the equation and I'm telling you that these guys will be so, so nice people. And it's so true about all of us too. It's very true about us. You know, can you imagine that you can be in church and you can be influenced by the wrong person? Do you know that Adam and Eve, they, where were they? In the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they were being visited by God every evening. They had revival service. What is revival? The presence of God manifesting, right? So they had revival services every day. And still, there was a voice that they tolerated there and that voice was able to take them away from God. That voice was able to cause them to rebel against God. Now do you understand why I'm telling you it's very necessary that you refine who you listen to. That you refine who you fellowship with. You pay close attention to who you stand before. And, and, and the places you fellowship and the people that speak into your life. Because if you give your ears to the wrong people, you may be as powerful as King Nebuchadnezzar is. But you can be influenced. You can be as holy and glorious as Adam and Eve were. But you can get influenced and you can get tricked and you can get deceived. It's very necessary for us to be very careful to guard our ears. It says, but there are some Jews whose names are Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. By the way, those are their names. And it says, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. So in this particular story, we don't see Daniel, you know, we only see Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Now, if you, if you go back into history, you will see that these guys, they were friends of Daniel. When they came from uh, uh, Judah and they were brought into Babylon, Daniel, he made a step, uh, he made a choice. You remember this? They were, so they were offered the king's food. And then Daniel, he stood up and he said, no, 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 let's do something different this time. And Daniel chose not to defile himself by the royal food. And there were things that were defiling. And he said, we are not going to allow this food to defile us. And now Daniel probably is not there in the group or Daniel is away or he's traveling or he's in a different province. Or for whatever reason, Daniel is not mentioned in the story. But now his few friends, now they are not the top guys, they are not the leaders, they are not the most important people, right? But they are friends who have been influenced by Daniel. Now, do you see this? There is a king who is influenced by few people. And then there is a Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who has been influenced by Daniel. So you don't see Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego take a stand for God in chapter 1. You only see Daniel take a stand for God. But because they have been spending time with Daniel now, now they have the same characteristics like Daniel. Now they begin to behave the same way that Daniel did. 
And it says that these guys, they had been put in charge of the province of Babylon. See, the first, their first promotion, it came because of Daniel's blessing. See, Daniel interpreted a dream for the king. And because of that, the king said, okay, wait, I'm going to bless you guys. What do you need, Daniel? And Daniel said, I have three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, so Daniel introduced Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the king. And the king had put him them in charge of different provinces of Babylon. It's like, you know, you will be the chief minister of Karnataka. You will be the chief minister of Tamil Nadu. You know, he assigned different states or provinces to these three guys because of Daniel's influence in the parliament of the nation. And now we see that, there are, that these guys are influencing uh, these people against, they are influencing the king against these guys. It says, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. Now they refuse to serve your gods and they do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Wait a minute. I thought it, this got nothing to do with serving. I thought this got all everything to do about worship, right? Here it says, hey, these guys, these three guys, the complaint against them is that they do not serve. serve. Because whoever you worship, you will eventually begin to serve. See, you remember this, wherever you stand, you will begin to be influenced. Wherever you spend your time, wherever, whatever your position is, there you will get influenced. And wherever you get influenced, you will automatically start worshipping there. And wherever you worship, there you will also begin to serve. So the complaint that these guys are bringing against Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, it's not just that they are not worshipping, but that they are not serving our gods. Worship is secondary, but there is a service that has to come out of their worship. That's not happening. Look at these guys. They are not serving our gods and they are not worshipping the gold statue. So, so my, my people, let me ask you this. Is your worship an end in itself or is your worship bringing you to a place of serving him? See, if your worship doesn't lead you to serving God, then there is some problem with your worship. Your worship has to naturally overflow into service. You cannot say, I'm a Mary, I'll just sit at the feet of Jesus forever. I don't care if Jesus doesn't eat his meal or not. I'm not a Martha, I'm only a Mary. I'll just sit at the feet of Jesus. I'll just love Jesus. Everybody else, you guys stay hungry. I don't care. You know, can you imagine if all of us decide we'll just be... We'll just be Marys. We don't need any Marthas. You know, we don't need any preachers. We don't need any, any guys who are actively going to, you know, serve. We need people who are going to, whose worship is going to overflow to a place of serving. Wherever you worship, whoever you worship, you will eventually begin to serve. See, the, the thing is this. That is why it is very important for us to be sure that we're worshiping the right person. Sometimes we worship an idea of religion or idea of ministry or we worship an idea of money or whatever it be, you know, whatever things that we look up to or we admire, we begin to, we begin to worship those ideas, you know. It could be the idea of a, a safe, secure family living in a, you know, 
three BHK or like a, a, a single apartment, a single house with, you know, three children in the house and three dogs outside the house and you have your whole life planned out and then, then all of a sudden you begin to stand there, you begin to dream about it, you begin to be influenced by everybody that talks about that dream and then you begin to worship that dream day and night and then eventually you will begin to serve that dream. You may become a pastor but for that dream. You may go to office but for that dream. You may, you may be living your daily life, you may be doing right things by the way. You may be doing ethical things in the world, but you may be doing it for that dream. Guess what? You're serving the wrong master. Jesus did not say you cannot serve God and devil. You know what Jesus said? You cannot serve God and money. When money becomes your master, when money becomes something that you begin to serve, I'm telling you, we, we don't worship the devil like, you know, in a physical form of a gold statue. We love gold. Tell me about this. We love gold, right? Who doesn't like that SMS that pops on your phone that says so much money has been credited into your account? You know, how many of you, you keep going back to Google Pay to check, has this guy paid me yet? Has this guy paid me yet? Has this... Is this <laughs> has my bill cleared yet? Has my... You know, you know has this happened yet? And, you know, eventually what happens is anything that we keep our eyes fixed on will begin to rule our decisions. And we'll, we are not eventually serving God because whoever we worship is who we will serve. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar, he flew into a rage and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. See, the, the thing is that these guys were like uh, chief uh, leaders or rulers in the provinces, right? So he had to make sure that these allegations are true. So he's asking them, is it true that, these, that, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up? So I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I have made you uh, here. It says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. Again, the same thing. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments, you should worship. So I'm going to give you a second chance. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? See, the, the reason King Nebuchadnezzar is so arrogant is because he knows that this entire nation of Jews, they prayed to God for deliverance and God didn't deliver them from his hand. So the king has an experience. See, the king is not being just unwise. He has an experience of an entire nation being captured. A nation that cried out to God for deliverance, but God didn't hear their prayer. The king is saying, I know how to. This God who didn't, you know, free you from my power in the past, he's not going to free you from my power today. You know, so that's the arrogance with which he's speaking, okay? So, the, so you should understand, this king has had victories with believers before. This king has had victories with the people of God before. And it says, in the next verse, this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
we do not need to defend ourselves before you. So, so what these guys are saying is, we, we are worshippers. And because we are worshippers, we know where we stand and we know who we allow to be, to, to be our influencers. And because of that, we also know who we worship and we know who we serve as a result of that worship. And because of that, we do not need to defend ourselves. Can I tell you the secret? A true worshipper of God never needs to defend themselves. Because the one who they are worshipping, the one who they serve will defend them. Do you know the story of how there was this woman with an alabaster jar that came and broke the alabaster at the feet of Jesus and anointed the feet of Jesus and began to worship and everybody else were questioning, how dare she? If only Jesus knew what an immoral woman this is and how dare she? How much money is spent in this? If this money could have been used in ministry, if this money could have been used in charity, if this money could have been used for more blessed purposes other than washing somebody's feet this would have been more you know more well utilized and then that lady did she reply did she defend herself saying no God spoke to me then I had nothing she just she just kept quiet she just chose to be silent and she just chose to worship can I tell you this a true worshiper doesn't need to defend himself a true lover of Jesus don't need to defend himself you just need to keep on doing what you're doing and god will come the one that that you've been seeking that you've been loving on he will come to vindicate you he will come to prove himself mighty and powerful on your behalf the bible says in second chronicles chapter 16 we don't have time to go there now but go back and read the scripture it says that the eyes of the lord he's canning the earth to and fro for what? He's looking for those who, ha- who have a lot of talents. No, he's scanning for those whose hearts are loyal to him. For what? Why, why does God want to identify these people? It says so that he can prove himself strong on their behalf. Can you imagine God saying, man, I just want to show off my power. Let me find somebody. Can I find one person that, that is trusting me to that extent, that is worshipping me with such crazy ferocity that I can show off my glory and my power and my greatness for this one person. That's what God is doing today. The eyes of the Lord, He is looking for somebody that He can vindicate, somebody that He can fight for, somebody that He can speak up for. A true worshipper, come on, say it loudly, a true worshipper... Never, never never has to defend his worship. A true worshiper. I'm talking about true worshipers in the house of God. Jesus said, God is not looking for worshipers. He's looking for true worshipers. Because there are plenty of worshipers. There's plenty of people who love God. Plenty of people who seek God. But God is looking for those that are doing it out of a true heart. Genuine heart. A, 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 A pure heart. True worshippers, a true worshipper doesn't need to defend himself or his worship. He, he goes on to say, says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, do you, do you see the word, word serve again there? He's not saying the God whom we worship. He says, see the God whom we worship 
we are also serving, right? He says, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. See, I tell you the problem that happens with so many of us as we walk with God. We begin with that right position in Christ, and then we get influenced, and then we move on to worship. And then from worship, we move on to serving God. And when we are serving God, we begin to reap the benefits of serving God. You know that God doesn't, God doesn't take your service free of cost, right? If you serve God, God is definitely going to bless you. God is definitely going to make sure that you know, your house is blessed, that your family is taken care of. God is going to bless you. In fact, you know, one of the reasons the Bible says in Haggai chapter 1, God points out to the people of God in Israel and he says, do you know why your pockets have holes? Do you know why your houses, there is no savings? Do you know why, you know, you're doing so much, but there is no results through your life? It's because you're not serving my house. You need to go and build my house. And if you build my house, then I will build your house. Yeah. So when we serve God, it is impossible that God doesn't build our homes and build our lives. It's impossible. But the problem is this, that sometimes we reach that place of serving God and then we, we enter into a very transactional phase. We are like, I'll do this and then God will bless me. I will do this so that God can bless me. I will give money so that God can bless me with finances. I will worship. I will pray more so that I can experience this breakthrough. And then we become very transactional with God. You know, see, service has to be a result of worship, right? Yes. yes. But our identity is not that we are servants. Our identity is that we are still worshippers. Our identity is that we are still lovers of God. See, lovers of God, they do serve. But servants, when they work, they expect a wage. They expect a benefit. They expect results. So here they say, you know what? We are servants of God. Okay? Because we are servants of God, we know that our God that we serve, He will save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But then they add another thing. They say, hey, but, come on, read this out with me. But even, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. So what these guys are doing is they're establishing priority. They're saying, yes, we, we serve our God. And because we serve God, we know that I will have no lack. We know that nobody can touch me. We know that nobody can hurt me. We know that no weapon formed against me will prosper. That is, that is the truth because we serve God. And yet, the other side of the truth is also real that we are not just servants of God. We are also worshippers. And because we are worshippers, see, worshippers, they don't worship for a benefit. See, lovers, they don't love for a benefit. Servants, they work for you for a Salary for a benefit for the privileges that come as part of being the, the job description and everything. You get a, 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 a six-figure salary. You, you, know, you, you get all of that. And because of that, you work for a company. Am I right? If your company uh, owner says, hey, do you, do you love the brand? Then serve here selflessly. If you have money, we'll give you. Any of you who will, in their right minds, will you... No, why? Because you're servants there. 
You're not going because you love the company. Am I right? But God says, yes, you are my servants. But are you also my worshippers? Because worshippers, they don't worship because of the privileges of being a worshippers. Worshippers, they don't love because they get the, the results. And that's why they say, hey, because we, we know we serve this God, we know that God is going to take care of all of our needs. See, if you give to God, if you serve the house of God, there is no way that God will not bless you. There's no way that God cannot take care of you. You need to have that arrogant confidence. And yet, on the other side, you need to have that humility to accept, but it's not about what God does or doesn't do. I'm a lover. Even if he doesn't take care of me, even if he doesn't love me. You know, I was listening to the testimony of a dear friend of mine. He's been here before. You know, he and his wife, they've been, they've been praying for a child. And, uh, you know, you know this. His name is Pastor Amit Kamble. And, you know, his testimony is there on YouTube. You can check it out. And he shared this here as well. You know, he, he and his wife, they've been praying. They've been, they've been married for 17 years. And they've been praying for a child. And, you know, their faith is that they know that they know that they know that, that God will give them a child. And in fact, he was telling us here when he came how every month when his, when his wife will go through that monthly periods, there will be a disappointment in his heart, you know. Because every month they're expecting and praying and believing. They're saying, because we serve God, we know that we will, our God will provide, will give us the blessing of a child. And he adds on to it and says... Hey, but it's okay. Even if we don't, we will still be faithful lovers of Jesus. That is the balance that you and I need to have because our identity is not servants. Our identity is that we are lovers of God. We are worshippers first and then we are servants. We are not servants who worship. We are worshippers who serve. Worshippers are the are, are, are people that God cannot ignore. God can replace servants, but God cannot replace worshippers. You know that there are you know that even angels can serve God. But angels, you know, we saw a vision this Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening during the worship, and I was so blessed by that vision. I, there was a vision of angels coming and observing our worship. And angels trying to learn how we worship God. And when I saw that vision, I was like, man, I cannot be standing and I cannot do this. I have to worship better. Because these angels, they are learning from us how to worship God better. They can serve God better than us, but they cannot worship God better than us. We worship better than them. We are, we are not called to be just servants. We are called to be worshippers first and then a servant. So because these guys knew that, that's why they said, even if we don't get the wages of being a servant, the protection of being a servant, the provision of being a servant, we will still not worship because our priority is that we are worshippers first. Our priority is that we are lovers of God. Then it says, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that his face became distorted with rage. On a side note, let me add this here. If any of you have an anger problem, you have to meditate on this verse. Because it says that when you become angry, your face becomes distorted. Okay, so if you don't want your identity to be distorted, if you don't want your, if you don't want 
how people look at you and how people perceive who you are to be destroyed, then you have to work on your anger issues. Yeah, it says this guy, he, he, he flung out in rage and his face, it was evident on his face, it became distorted with rage and he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Seven times hotter. It's like normal degree of fire is not enough for these guys. If these guys would have just, you know, said we can't worship, you know, we would have just put them in the normal fire. But now these guys are saying, we will never worship. We will never serve you. Then I really have to test the capacity that these guys, how much of love do they have for God? How much of service are they willing to give to God? I want to test that. And he said, increase the fire seven times more. I don't know if that is a good news for some of you. But I'm telling you, the enemy is preparing to increase the fire. See, if you're not able to handle this low-level demons, if you're not able to, you know, handle this entry-level demons, how are you going to handle the seventh-level demons? Do you know when we play a video game, nobody wants to skip directly to, you know, level seven, right? We'll clear level one. We'll get used to level one, then we go to level two, then level three, then level four, and then we enter level seven. By the time you're in level seven, you, you feel that, okay, I have a hang of the game, I can make it. But here, they, they are going from zero directly. Till yesterday, they are prosperous, blessed, no problem at all. Now, the fire, it says seven times more. Then, it says, then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army. To bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, this guy is like making sure everything. He's, he called his army to take care of these three guys. And the strongest in his army, not just ordinary people, the strongest in his army. And what did he ask them to do? To bind them up. So there would be, you know, these ropes or whatever they used to bind these guys. And it says, and to throw them into the blazing furnace. Now, the first thing we need to pay attention to is that they were bound, okay? And they were bound with the robes that Nebuchadnezzar and his army had put on them, right? When they come out of this flames, you know that, you, by the way, you know, I'll tell you the news flash, the end of the story is that they do come out of it alive, yeah? Just in case you've not read the Bible. It says, when they do come out, the things that were Binding them, the robes that were binding them had burnt off. Okay? Let me read the next verse for you. It says, So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, their turbans, their robes, and other garments. You know, the Bible is being very discreet in telling you what those other garments are. Didn't want to mention... So just mentioning other garments, yeah? But they had everything on, yeah? And it says that when they did come out at the end of the day, what burnt? Only the robes burnt. The, the dresses didn't get burnt. The pants didn't get... Their garments did not catch fire. See, the difference between the robes and the clothes is that clothes they wore on themselves. The robes the enemy put on them. Whatever the enemy put on them will break in the fire. But sister, 
But brother, let me ask you this. The clothes that you are wearing, you have to get rid of them yourself. See, when, when Lazarus came out of the grave, who had to remove the clothes that was tying him down? The ones that tied him had to remove those clothes. Jesus didn't say, okay, here comes a man, fully clean, without any problem. He's alive. He, says, he says, now untie him. Jesus said, now here is a man. I brought him back to life. What you couldn't do, I did. Now you untie this guy. Now you remove whatever you have tied on him. Now the problem with many of us is that we are expecting God to remove what we have put on ourselves. And we are fasting and praying. And we are hoping that this bondage will break. Whereas that was not a bondage that the enemy put on you. There is your clothes and you need to change your clothes in time. And you're wondering, why is it that I'm stinking? Why is it that people are looking at me? Why is it that, you know, I'm attracting all these flies and insects on my body? It's not because of the bondage. Not everything is part of the bondage. There are things that you have worn on yourself. And you have to get rid of them yourself. Whatever the enemy has put on you, I'm telling you that will break in the fire. That will break. All you need to do is expose it to the fire and it shall break. Fire helps you to distinguish between what the enemy has put on you and what you have put on yourself. When there is fiery seasons in life and you're still not refined, you're still not changed, you're still not grown, it's not necessarily because the enemy wants you down. It's because probably you have not renewed your mind. It's because you're not taking bath every morning. It's because you're not washing your clothes. It's because you're not, you know, being careful about your attire. That is what you need to be careful about. And it says, the next verse, because the king in his anger had demanded that such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. You remember strong men in the army that came to bind them tight? It says they went close to the furnace to throw them in. And these guys that threw them into the fire, they died not because of the fire, but because of the closeness, the proximity to the fire. So not only did the, the fire destroy the bondages upon the, the people of God, it also destroyed the people that were used to, to throw them into the fire, to throw them into this destruction. That's, that's something about fire that you cannot mess with. Only a true worshipper of God can survive fire. Only a true worshipper of God can survive a season where you are thrown into seven times fire. See, anybody can go from 0 to 1 to 2 to 3 to 4. But you throw somebody from a 0 to 7, it takes a true worshipper to survive that. Ordinary people cannot survive that. And it says that these guys, the flames, killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they securely tied, they fell into the roaring flames. And the rest is history. You know the story. It says the king, but suddenly, somebody said suddenly. Suddenly, suddenly Nebuchadnezzar, he jumped up in amazement. So this season, I'm declaring this over your life. Your enemies are going to be amazed at you. The people that are putting you in struggle and trouble, they are going to be amazed. They are going to be surprised at how God is proving himself strong and loyal and mighty and powerful on your behalf. 
so be prepared be prepared to watch the amazed faces of your enemies it never say shadrak meshak and abednego were abased did you see that it was not for shadrak meshak and abednego it was for king nebuchadnezzar to be amazed we 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 you know how we pray god show off a miracle so i can truly believe it's not for your belief miracles happen to those who already believe if you are waiting to be amazed it's because you are in nebuchadnezzar <laughs> you don't believe or agree to the power of this god come on it says that nebuchadnezzar he jumped up in amazement and he exclaimed to his advisers didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace and they said yes your majesty we certainly did they replied look nebuchadnezzar shouted i see four men they are not just unbound but they are now standing. not standing they are walking around in the fire unharmed so 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 this is what god is asking some of you to do see when you're thrown into the fire is not a time for you to sit and be depressed and be sad and and to be sorrowful about the fire that is a time for you to walk like never before yeah. come on shadrak meshak and abednego why are you walking in the fire i'm walking in the fire to prove that i am still alive to prove to myself and to prove to the people around me that i can still sustain this fire See the enemy wants you to behave like you are dead when you are not yet dead. But God says no, are you willing to walk even in the fire? If you are willing to walk in the fire then I'm going to come and walk with you. People of God, I'm asking you, are you willing to walk in the fire? Because this morning the Lord is not just asking you to worship him, the Lord is asking you to be faithful even when you're in the fire. To not sulk to not become depressed to not give up when you're in the fire to not complain when you're in the fire but to keep walking one step at a time you i know you can't run but can you walk i know you cannot jump but can you walk can you take it one step at a time every morning can you keep walking even if it is a struggle for you can you keep pulling yourself through because if you are willing to walk if you are willing to walk then god is willing to come forth it says it says and the fourth one he looks like a god he's nebuchadnezzar he's he's watching very closely and a nebuchadnezzar who has not seen god who has not seen angels who's had no revelation about who this god is says and this fourth person that looks like god so fire has a way of manifesting this presence of god in our lives so sometimes we think that wait in when i am blessed and when everything is going fine with me i will i will be able to host the presence of god right we think that it's when we worship in church when there is crazy praise in church and when there is fellowship happening times of fasting happening that is when i will experience the presence of god but god it says he is close to the broken hearted he is close to the ones that go through the fire It says when these guys were going to the fire going through the fire God said wait I cannot let these guys walk alone I need to go and walk with them I need to go and make myself manifest to them 
See, what, what, what is hosting the presence of God? Hosting the presence of God is pursuing the manifested presence of God. So we know that God is there everywhere, right? Do you know that God is here even if you feel it or not, like it or not, understand it or not? God is everywhere. And yet, what we are pursuing is not the omnipotent presence of God. What we are pursuing is the manifested, physical, tangible presence of God. And that happened for Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, not when they were living comfortable lives, but when they jumped from a zero to level seven of their fire. So the Lord is about to be revealed in your fire. Some of you think, why, why am I going through what I'm going through? Why can't God come to me like everybody else? Why can't it happen during fasting? Why can't it happen during fellowship? For some of you, you may have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And you will say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod. And your staff, it comforts me. And you are with me when I walk through the valley of shadow of death. You're with me. I see your presence now. Till now I used to speak about it, but now I can feel it. Till now I used to hear sermons about it, but now you are with me, Lord. Now people can see you being with me. Now it's no longer just us understanding, but now people can see that you're on our side. So some of you, the Lord is going to allow you to jump from zero to seven. Come on, I don't know if you're clapping for the right reason. You, you, may, be, you may be clapping for zero to seven level of blessing. But I'm talking about fire here. Are you still open to that? Are you still welcoming this fire? Because this fire, it is, gonna, it is going to reveal the presence of Emmanuel with you. This, this fire, this fire, I'm telling you, you cannot take this fire lightly. Because this fire, see, when you look at this fire, you, you think, okay, wait, this fire is not from God. Why should I tolerate it? This fire, God didn't bless me with this fire. This fire is, is created by Nebuchadnezzar. I should fight it, right? But here is the Lord using the fire that the enemy created to, to destroy Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to teach the children of God how to host his presence. How to walk with God. Even in the fire. Only a true worshipper can truly walk with God even when you're going through fire. All other worshippers, all those servants, they run away. You know, Jesus said about this in, in John chapter 10. He said, a hired hand, he runs away when a fox comes or when a lion comes or when a bear comes. But the, 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 the true shepherd, the one who truly loves the sheep, he will not run away. He will put his life on the line to love. So God is looking for somebody who will put their lives on the line. You remember last week also I taught you the same, how Esther put her life on the line so that she can have another visitation with the king. So some of you, we, we have to put our lives on the line, saying, I, I can't do one more day without this physical, tangible manifestation of this Jesus. You know, I'm not preaching this because I heard, it, I heard this in some sermon or some series or some, somebody preaching about, you know, a series on hosting God and God will come down in fire. No, I'm, I'm preaching this out of what dropped into my spirit. 
I'll tell you this. One, one day when I, I think we were sitting together and I just told her, hey, you know what? One more whole sermon just dropped into my spirit. And this was that sermon. And I didn't prepare any of this. All I did was copy all the verses, highlight the words that God was speaking. That's all that I did. The whole sermon just dropped into my spirit. And God is saying, in your fire, I will manifest myself to you. In your fire, you will be able to walk with me. The fact that you're able to walk with me, the fact that you're still alive, the fact that you have not given up, that will be proof enough for the watching Nebuchadnezzars that your God is alive, that your God is the real deal, that your God can stand and help you and fight for you in the midst of the fire. Are you ready to read the last few verses? It's amazing. It says that Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the... He's not saying worshippers. What is he saying? You remember the, the battle was for service here? Yeah? You remember that from the start. What did they say? They are not just worshipping. They are not even serving. And now Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges, hey, you, you guys are truly servants of the most high God and he says now come out come here so Shadrach Meshach and Abednego stepped out of the fire can I tell you my revelation you may need help to go into the fire but you don't need help coming out of it you don't see the 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 blessing of God when you walk in that level of intensity with God in the fire is such that you, the fire will not affect you anymore and you can, by the grace of God, step out on your own. You don't need somebody to help you out of the fire. We are hoping, right, some prophet will come from you know, Kerala or US or somebody will come and give me a prophetic word that will push me out of... No, no, no. You need help to go into the fire. You don't need help to come out of the fire. Come on, somebody. Am I talking to your heart this morning? Am I encouraging you? This is what God is speaking to me. I'm just telling you what God is speaking to me, what God is teaching me. You don't need help. See, the same Nebuchadnezzar that threw him into the fire did not have the power to bring him out. Since Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could. So there was a distance. He knew that from here, if I go ahead, like the fire consumed the others, it'll also consume. So, so there was a limit to which Nebuchadnezzar, now Nebuchadnezzar, you should understand this, Nebuchadnezzar is convinced that he is the real God, right? And still Nebuchadnezzar is unable to help them. They have to come out on their own. Because now all the things that kept them tied, everything, all those bondages that the enemy had put around you, that already broke in that season of being in the fire. That already broke. Now you can come out of the fire. You can freely walk out of it. You, can, you, you don't need somebody to pray for your healing now. Now you can believe, you can stand on the word of God and guess what? You are healed. Now you don't need somebody to specifically release a blessing over you so you can have your financial breakthrough. Now you can just stand up and you've already walked in the fire. You've already been influenced by a Daniel. You've already done your thing right. Now you can freely walk out of the fire. You need help only going in, not coming out. 
It says, then the high officers, the officials, the governors and advisors, they crowded around them and saw that the fire had not yet touched them. May the people around you see. May they have visible evidences to see that the fire that you are going through doesn't have the power to touch you. May they see that. It says, not a hair on their head was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. So I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. Some of you, you have nightmares of how your current season of life is going to destroy your future. But I'm prophesying over you. You will not even smell of this smoke. You will not even remember this time of fire. You will not even have a recollection. I'm telling you, people will need to write a book about you to remind you that you went into the fire. You would not even, you would not smell. You wouldn't even remember. There will not be a faint, tainted, scarred memory in your spirit. I don't care what your psychologists say. I don't care what your psychiatrists or therapists say. That this will be a lifetime scar. No, it will not be. My Bible says that you will not even have the smell of the smoke of the fire that you walked into. No, you will not. When you're out of the fire, you're out of it for good. You're not going to smell it anymore. You're not going to be, you know, obedient and obligated to that fire anymore. See, when you're in the fire, you may smell all kinds of stuff. But then God will bring you out of the fire. And then it's a new story. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach. Come on, can we read it out together? Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants. Who? Come on, loudly. Who? Come on, one more time. Who trusted in him? They defied the king's command and were willing. Are there any willing people in the house this morning? And they were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, therefore, you know, so the thing about decrees is that the king cannot undo his decrees. Now here he is doing a decree above a decree. You remember earlier on he made a decree? Those who don't worship this statue will... Now he is releasing a decree over that decree. And he says, if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach. Come on, I want you to put your name there. There is my people, the city of Bangalore will see the God of Prichivergis. They are not just going to see the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. When I walk through the fire, they will see that there is no other God like the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Can you imagine their revelation of God will be connected to your identity? Where they will see, hey, 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 I saw what God did for you. And he is the God of Shadrach, Meshach. And Abednego, they, if they speak against him, they will be torn limb from limb. And their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. Because there is. Come on. Because there is. Because there is no other God who can rescue 
Are you ready for the next verse? It says, then the king, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Wait a minute. They were already in great power. But the previous promotions came because of Daniel's consecration. The previous promotion came because of your pastor's blessing over your life. The previous promotion came because you have a spiritual father and a good church and somebody prayed for you and modeled his life for you. But the next season of your life, the next blessings will come because of your revelation. It will come because of your understanding. It will come because of your worship. It will come because of your service. The Lord will promote you, he says. He says he will promote you to even higher positions. Dear Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you may be thinking, is there anything better than this? There is. There is. He is beginning, he is planning your promotion. So, that, so, the, so the way to that promotion sometimes is through the fire. If you are willing to walk, that promotion will come. It says, can we jump to Isaiah chapter 43? I want all of us to stand up together and let's, let's read this out together. Somebody can come on the keys and... The worship team, come, join me on the stage. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. Somebody read it out. But now, this is God speaking. But now, can you put your name there? Can you put your name there? Come on, ready? One, two, three, go. But now, Opriji, listen to the Lord who created you. Oh, Opriji, the one who who formed you, he says, this is not a church's voice, this is God speaking to you. Now God is saying, do not, everybody said, do not, do not. Be, afraid, be afraid, for I have ransomed you. Look at your neighbor, look at your neighbor, tell them, do not be afraid, Michael. Because God says he has purchased you. God says you belong to him. Do not be afraid. You do not belong to yourself. You're not your own. You, God has ransomed you, he says. Not only have I ransomed you, but I have called you. I have called you. Somebody said, I have called you. By name. And you are mine. This is, this is, this is not me saying this to you, please. Who is saying this to you? God is saying this. He's saying, I have called you by name. I, I created you. I formed you. And I have ransomed you. And I have called you by name. And you are now mine. Read this with me. When you go through the deep waters. What is God saying? He's saying that my, my Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? Godish? What God is saying is. The Emmanuel will manifest when? When you go through deep waters. You know, Jordan was a deep river. And these guys went through Jordan. You know that the Red Sea was supposed to be deep. And they walked through Red Sea. When you go through deep waters, I will be... Why? 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 Because you are mine. Because you are special. I have called you by name. And it says, when you go through the reverse of difficulty. Come on. Declare this over yourself now. 
when I go through the reverse of difficulty, I, I will not, when I go through the reverse of difficulty, the waters cannot make me sink. Stop confessing what the enemy is confessing over yourself. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. No, you are unsinkable. When you go through the reverse of difficulty, you will not drown. Then he goes on to say, when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not. You know, Isaiah wrote this prophecy so many years before this would happen to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So many years before this, he wrote this prophecy. Now when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when they were walking in the fire, they had a scripture to hold on to. They said, this is what God said, that he knows me by name. That he knows what I have gone through. That he knows the fire I need to be in. And when I go through the fire of oppression, I will not be burned up. People will only see that God is with me in this season. And they will be amazed. I will see the presence of God and I will be amazed. Thank you for downloading today's sermon. We hope this minister to you and your family today. Connect with us at dreamingrevival.com and you are welcome to join in to any of our Sunday celebration service at 11 a.m. Or you can tune in to our live stream at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed week.